Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of Vader's Basement. I'm Jared. I'm Liam. And today we're going to be doing another What If episode. Yep. Um, no trademark on that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, What Happens If or What Could Possibly Be If. The implications that would happen if this thing possibly took place in a different maybe. way differently <laughs> in the Star Wars universe. Whatever no. gets us out of a copyright strike. That's right. Whatever it needs to be. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about what happens, what would happen if the Republic Army failed in their invasion at the Battle of Geonosis. Right. So what if the Separatists won? What the if the Separatists won? Yeah. Either way. Yeah. Right. So we looked up a few stats for this, and we'll get into those in a second. But actually, first, I want to say for the Republic segment today, uh, the Knights of the Old Republic game actually looks like it will be starting back up. It looks like they've hired a new director. And we're back on schedule for that. Some actual good news for that. Well, the Knights of the Republic news is good. Unsurprisingly, we have some bad news to go along with it, as things typically come. And Liam, do you want to tell them what it is? Yeah, so basically it's that uh, the Bad Batch Season 2 is going to be delayed. We kind of knew this was coming, right? So we, we got the Andor delay, and we got the Mandalorian delay, and so it just stands to reason that the Bad Batch is going to get delayed. Um... The timing of the episode still is a little weird, so if it even gets delayed like a month, then it would still theoretically line up and run into Mandalorian release, which is supposed to be February, so we'll see. I, it's it's kind of weird. Um, it's not determined what the date is going to be, but basically Disney released all the September episodes that are coming out in Disney+, and Bad Batch Season 2 is not on it, so um, that stands to reason that it's not going to be released in September. So... Um, yeah, Knights of the Old Republic series continuing, getting picked back up and worked on by a different uh, section of the studio is great. Bad Batch being delayed, not so great. So that will conclude today's For the Republic. And now straight into the episode. Let's do it. So in our timeline, in the original timeline, the Battle of Genosis was already a heavy disaster for the Republic. If you, if you look at stories, right, like we hear about from the Clone Commandos perspective, we hear about a lot of different clones talking about the Battle of Geonosis being bloody and terrible, right? Basically, the clones who survive Geonosis go on to become very elite, very talented clone troopers, right? They become commanders or arc troopers or what have you, right? It was a very, very bloody battle. Yes, um, the official numbers, seemingly, anyway, what we could what we could locate was that the Republic actually deployed one hundred and ninety two thousand yeah. soldiers to the Battle of Genosis. And you think they had two hundred thousand with a million more well on the way, which is what they tell Obi Wan in Episode Two. This this kind of adds up. You don't want to send every trooper you have, right? There's probably eight thousand there for home defense, or eight thousand crew members on the acclimators that they sent in to I think drop it, troops, right? Like, I think it probably includes those. Sure, I think, pro- uh, I think the, the invasion number does. Um, Relatively speaking, though, eight thousand of the two hundred thousand, not very much. Anyway, it's a disaster. So the the yeah. the, the casualty rates are twelve thousand seriously injured, eight thousand walking wounded. Um, and 72,000 combat fit troops kind of leave the world, meaning um, around 100,000 troopers died in the Battle of Geonosis, which is over a 50% yeah, casualty that's rate. That's a lot. That's horrifying. So to add it all up, right, that means 92,000 clones survive in various states of, I mean, the 12,000 seriously injured, 
I would be surprised if 100% of them survived, right? They're, well, they're in Bacta. I <laughs> Bacta, <laughs> miracle. Yeah, Bacta is a liquid that you put injured people in. It was what Luke got put in in episode yeah. five, right? Like, so Bacta. I, Bacta. It, it, it is very miraculous. I don't think it healed 100% of the clones. So you probably no. lost a, a few others of the 12,000. But, but yeah, the 100,000 that were killed are MIA, which sucks even more because Cut Laquane states in his part of the Clone Wars, right, that he was on the Battle of Geonosis, and they were going up, and they were rounding up clone troopers, and they were killing them off. Yes. And he decided that he wasn't going to get killed off. So he was yeah, like, he's like, right, like, I'm a farmer. <laughs> so the 100,000 that were MI or killed, right, that doesn't mean, oh, well, you know, the Separatists probably took 20,000, 30,000 prisoners of no. war. Nope. They rounded them all up and they killed them. Well, right? and also they're on Genosis. And we know Genosians like to eat people. Yeah. It, so, it probably got... Yeah. They were used. Messy. Anyway. <laughs> um, so horrifying death. So, yeah. It's not far off to believe that they may actually lose this battle. And well, in fact, and here's the other thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that there was so many clones that died, but what ended up happening was the number of separatists could have been vastly different. What Correct. we see yeah. is that over half of the separatist ships ran away. This means that we had a large separatist presence that just got up and ran away out of fear, right? It was a surprise attack, right? They didn't expect an army this big, despite the fact that Count Dooku paid for the clone army on Kamino. Just, you know. Casual. <laughs> but but no one expected this big of an army out of nowhere. How could the Republic gain such an army, right? So they were surprised. They were thrown off guard. We see in the movie that Pago the Lesser and Count Dooku and some of the Separatist forces are talking about how the clones are advancing super quickly, so they decide to run away, right? It's too valuable for the information they have to be there, so they run. However, if they didn't run, and they kept about the 60% of the ships that they had that escaped, if they kept those on planet and just released all the droids that they had and actually tried to fight the battle... I think we think this ends up a little bit differently. We do. So if you think that, let's say that for the purposes of this episode, Palpatine's plan is slightly different, right? Palpatine's plan is slightly different, and he decides, you know what, we're going to make him work for it. So Count Dooku, you lead your forces, and you actually try to win the battle. I'm fairly certain that the plan originally was to force them to run so that the battle would be spread out so they'd have to do this long drawn out plan but i think there was actually maybe a more expedient way that palpatine could have come to power through using this tactic (laughs) huh all of my greatest enemies i.e the jedi are gathered on my home turf with all my droids and geonosian armies and the entire jedi council's just sitting here yeah We've already wiped out most of the Jedi that have come to the planet. That was the other thing. So the 212 in the initial strike force of Jedi that went to the arena to save Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Padme, only 30 survived the initial battle, and then we know at least two more died. I think it's probably, you could reasonably believe that more than two died in the estimated you know 100,000 other troopers that died. So, so the Jedi Council's plan was, 
Ah, uh, yes. In order to save Obi-Wan, because they didn't even know Anakin <laughs> and Padme were there. It was just for Obi-Wan. They're like, ah, uh, yes. In order to save Obi-Wan, yes. we're going to sacrifice uh, 175 <laughs> Jedi. Yes. Great plan. Great plan. It would have been a great plan if Mace Windu had actually committed and killed Count Dooku and, you know, actually killed Count Dooku, killed Jango Fett, like, up there and actually started going for it. Instead, he jumps away. I think Mace Windu could have taken Jango up. Or Mace Windu could have taken Count Dooku up there. All this to say, the Jedi had a horrible plan in place, and it could have very easily gone south. So... It did go south, even even <laughs> further south, right? I mean, you're talking about like a 15% survival ratio of the Jedi, yeah. and then like 40% for the clones. Yeah. This is pretty bad. This is what we would call unacceptable. Also, never tell me the odds. Never tell me the odds. As, as Liam pointed out, like over half of the Geonosian, like the, the, the Separatist fleet gets away. Yeah. You know, it's just like they didn't even bother to blockade. It's They're not like, even like it's a resounding be, victory. We're gonna be so successful at landing all of our troops and walking in straight lines, like in, like it's a revolutionary war. You know, does not work out. Okay, yeah. so, um, all right. Let's say, yep. Let's say, the separatists, as Liam pointed out, decide to actually commit to the battle. Palpatine's plan is to make them work for it or test the waters for his droid army. Well, and again, so he, and I, I made a joke about it. Sorry, but. It is really a good plan. If you have all of the Jedi that are important, right? Rip all the other Jedi. Um, but if you have all the heads of the council and all the like on planet, why would you not try to just wipe them out there? Right. So what we could see from this is, I would say another fifteen Jedi would die, most likely. I would think of the thirty that have, have well. Of the, like, estimated 30 that live the arena. I guess we have Yoda come in, right? So 31. <laughs> I uh, think... Yes. So we see a few Jedi approach the front lines. Yep. And I think for this purpose, what we're going to say is Mace Windu just kind of, like, runs in there, man. And if you're talking about droid wave after wave after wave, and another thing that's a really big problem that we see, and if you ever played the original Attack of the Clones game on the original Xbox... I don't know if it came out on any other platforms, but it definitely came out on the Xbox. It was a two-sided game. There was Tetris on it, and then Attack of the Clones. Excellent. Very weird. Don't get that anymore. <laughs> when the CIS capital ships, the big ball lucre like inside from the right. inside of the right. uh, blockade, uh, the lucre hulks are called, fall and hit the ground, it releases this huge cloud, and you can't see it. Well, guess who doesn't really like need to see and focuses and uses sensors mostly? battle droids right like yeah sure the clones can see through it a little bit jedi could sense through it but it's it's difficult so i say another 15 or so jedi die from this battle well especially if you're extending the battle right right if the separatists are running away and then it's over well then there's not any more fighting Two hundred thousand soldiers is not a lot no. to be clear right like napoleon had nine hundred thousand troops when he invaded russia right like that is in the 1800s. So if you think about a planetary well, invasion with 192,000 troopers... They didn't have lightsabers. They didn't have lightsabers. Uh, Napoleon had one lightsaber. My bad. <laughs> but he only had one. There weren't 30 Jedi. That's right. Yeah. It was right. only Napoleon. That's it. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> hurt a little bit. Uh, but 200,000 is not a lot of troops. So no. you start to get really extended. And the droid army is significantly larger. I think... What, in the, at the height of the war, it was like 200 to 1 or something like that, droids to, to clones, which yeah. clone may be worth 200. Right. But, well, and the, and the clones were 
more valuable, right? right? Like yeah. the clones were able to do more than a simple droid, but Correct. simply in overwhelming numbers, that's a lot of droids. Ma- mass combat. And so if we think that you have the Jedi start to fall and they're the generals, right? There was no coordination. There was no real plan. They kind of were just like, and then we'll take the planet. So let's say, what threshold do you think the Republic has to reach to, to retreat? I mean, right. the, you right. don't you don't lose every single person before right. you decide, hey, this was a bad idea. Well, and that's exactly it. We're not getting down to how long would it take the Separatists to destroy every clone and every right. Jedi. We're trying to figure out at what point would enough Jedi and enough clones get killed that they decide this isn't worth it anymore. The odds are too high against us. Yeah. And and obviously, right, the more troops you lose, the, it gets exponentially harder to win the battle. And to point this out, right, if you really think about it, it, the longer they fight the battle, the more droids there would be because the droid foundry is on Geonosis. And they are pumping out droids faster then they would be able to destroy them. With dwindling numbers, it would become more and more difficult. The Republic didn't even bring Venators. They brought, right. they brought Acclimators, which are more landing craft, more invasions. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're missile boats, but they landed them. Right. Well, and how long can clones fight before they get tired? Right. Need water, yeah. need food, mm-hmm. need rest, right? The droids can keep going. Yep. Right? And again, and even if it's, okay, some droids break down, some droids have malfunction, right? You have way more droids than you have clones. And right. so... You just start to see these numbers. And like Jared said, they didn't bring Venators, which were their main cruisers that they used to do space battles. They didn't bring those. They brought their acclimator ships, which had some weaponry. They they were effective ships, but they landed them and they didn't use them in space. And so in canon, we see that a lot of the Separatist ships were able to get away, right? right? So to sum it all up, we're saying that we think if the Separatists stayed, released all their forces, and fought... To what number, right? I think we're thinking 40, 50,000 clones yeah. remaining. That's the point at which they're saying, this was a bad idea. We need to get out of here, right? Uh, yeah, I think it, I think at 50,000, the Republic makes the decision that it was a failure and they retreat. It's not like you can just say, all right, we're good. 50,000 th- threshold. We've made it. Now we're going to leave. It, it, and, and everybody lives at this point. Right. I think I think at 50,000, they leave. And by the time they get out of there, that's 40,000 able-bodied troops plus you know, probably 25,000 wounded troops in various sure. degrees. Sure. And I think the biggest thing from this is what we're saying is as well, Mace Windu will die. I think yeah. that you don't just run into battle and live all I the think, time, always. I think most of the Jedi that I think most run of, into battle yes. will die. Not all of them, right? Plo Koon lives. Yes, of course. Plo Koon has to live. Plo Koon, yeah, yeah, Plo Koon lives. Yeah, yeah. Plo Koon lives. We, we've already decided this. So, so, and I think Yoda lives because Yoda's in the back. Now, yeah. there's one important detail we want to point out. Um, because Dooku decides to stay and fight and, and lead the forces from the Genosian Command Center, he never gets in his speeder and flies away. And because right. that never happens, Padme, Anakin, Obi-Wan's gunship doesn't see him and, and fly after him instead. So this conflict never takes place, and Obi-Wan and Anakin join the battle with the rest of them. Yeah. So Padme would still get injured, Padme, right? Padme's still injured because she gets injured in the arena by the Nexu, who scratches her back. So they would take her, and she's not she's not a frontline troop, right? right. She is a senator. She would be taken off the world. <laughs> aggressive negotiations. Aggressive negotiations on the front lines. Ah! You know? <laughs> yeah. So, and also, I'm a pacifist. Pew, pew, pew. The pew. other thing yeah. we actually see from the Republic Commando game is that Genosis, Genosis, <laughs> Genosis devolves into trench warfare. Yes. Kind of like we have on Mimban, like... Which is horrible because the Genotians are all tunneled in and everything. So it's actually a really yeah. terrible 
Yeah. Terrible strategy. You don't want to get bogged down in trench warfare ah, ever. Trench warfare. Um, also, there's tunnels and caves and yes. winding mazes within all of the trenches that the Genotians know by heart. And sound wing beats. I mean, like, <laughs> like they can you, you work just, in the dark completely. You're not going to win this you're not. Battle. You're not going to win that one. Yeah. It's rough. So the Jedi leave. Yep. The Republic retreats. Yep. Now, the strategic retreat is difficult because that leaves a whole thing open. Now, right. the CIS fleet, yeah, sure, it may take them a day or two to regroup and get ready to go and expand out from there. But the Jedi and the clones will retreat to another right. strategic world. Right. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's kind of hard to pick a good one, but... They're going to have to fall back, and that's going to leave a corridor open. Right. Well, and so that's where, you know, in the immediate, where do they go? Probably somewhere like Naboo. Probably yeah. somewhere friendly to the Republic that, that they can at least stage their ships in atmosphere and, and recollect, gather themselves before they go back to the core, right? Ultimately, at the end of Episode 2, we see that they've gone back to Coruscant, right? And yeah. they have the ships and all that stuff. Because the first thing you do in a war after you win the first battle is take... All of your army back to your capital and then parade it around, <laughs> which is on the deploying it. opposite side of the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, and then you bring it all the yeah. Not so, the best story. <laughs> no. So they would go to Naboo, or it's possible they would also go to maybe back to Camino. Like there's the yeah. Camino and Naboo aren't that far relatively to Geonosis, yeah. especially compared to Coruscant. I don't yeah. think they go no, all they the way back to no, not some of the Jedi reason. probably do. The Jedi probably, but and especially. You, your wounded are going to have to fall back right, probably right. farther because the medical facilities in the outer room yeah, aren't built yet. Yeah. But so we have them fall back to somewhere like Naboo or Camino, somewhere relatively close that's a friendly space. Here's the main thing that I think changes the outcome of what we're dealing with here, right? When the Republic attacks Geonosis and they take down all those ships, they they do a lot of damage to the droid factories and, and the droids that are able to be created, specifically in the droid factories on Geonosis, right? They Correct. still have other areas yes. that they make droids. They still have other factories. But Geonosis was a main factory. Yeah. And if, and if the Separatists win and keep Geonosis, this is a big deal because in the Clone Wars and canon, the Republic comes back once the foundries start cranking out droids again and they have to retake Geonosis, right? Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise that's a problem. If Geonosis never falls, then you're in big trouble as the Republic because now not only do you have half the starting clones that you originally had, but the Separatists have, you know, maybe not double, but a significant number of droids more, and it's a factory, so it's going to keep producing. So, right. So this is where all of a sudden the tide really turns because mm -hmm. the Republic is more crippled and the separatists are more emboldened and strengthened. Right? Yeah, and not only you know not only the manpower loss, but the equipment loss. Right, they're not going to be able to take every acclimator off. They're not going to be able to take every ATTE. I mean, they're going to take right. significant losses for equipment. And I mean, I'm, I'm they're going to lose over fifty percent of their their ships at this point. And yeah. I mean, that's that's a huge loss, material loss, yeah. expense. Now, now one other really important aspect of this is that without Count Dooku running, right? We see him, before he runs from Geonosis, whole Poggle gives him the plans for the Death Star. The Genotians right. begin construction, or initially plan to begin construction of the Death Star. They had the original started plans. It wasn't finished. We know Director Krennic had to change a lot of things when he was building it, because you know plans are plans, and when you build something that large, you're going to have to audible it. So, yeah. But the initial plans were on Geonosis. So without Count Dooku running, 
without the CIS forces running, the Genotians retain the plan to the Death Star. Yeah. This is huge. We actually do know that the Empire did actually use Genotian labor to begin building the Death Star as well. Like, Geno Genotians are, they're bugs, right? And yeah. bugs are actually really, really effective at building things. Like ants, if you look at them, they, they're workers and they just, they just work. Yeah. And, they, and, they, and they accomplish things. Uh, ants, termites, similar things with Genotians here. So, once the Republic loses and their forces fall back, the Republic's in disarray. Yeah. The Republic is in absolute disarray. There were local sector defense fleets, but they were all bound by the Rusan Reformation, which was, a, which was a reformation passed by the government a long time ago during the Sith Wars, where they limited the size of the weapons you could put on ships, the size of ships, the hyperdrive, all sorts of different capacities. So ships were really hamstrung. We saw people like the Trade Federation or groups like the Trade Federation that kind of got by these rules and skirted by them by using Palpatine to allow them to equip guns on the Lucre Hulks. The giant ships. They weren't really supposed to have them. They were originally transport ships. They, the the Rusan Reformation would have prevented that. But he allowed them to have it because yeah. by limiting the sector defense fleets that way, by actually dissolving a lot of the Republic security forces, there were a lot of space pirates and the Trade Federation said, well, you know, we've got to take our ships places and we kind of need guns to protect ourselves. It's yeah. economic loss for the Republic. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And we and we see this, right? We see that at the time of the attack of the clones, there is no standing army. And that's the whole reason yeah. they're trying to vote, right, in the Senate, is they're trying to determine, do we give emergency powers to create an army and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So right. this brings us to the next steps, right? What happens? So we looked at a galactic map and we were trying to pinpoint, all right, well, what would reasonably be the path of the separatists, right? Um you're welcome to look at a map if you want as well. We'll highlight some of the key things, the key planets and places that we think the Separatists would go after. So, again, you have a, a Republic that hasn't necessarily lost a lot of the ships, right? It still will have a lot of the same number of Venators because it didn't bring any Venators to Geonosis. It'll still have a lot of these things, but the crews will be a lot smaller. And we already see the number of clones stretch. So, yeah, we'll still have a lot of the spaceships, but... They won't have a lot of the crews and even the troops, right? Even if they say, okay, well, we're going to try and retrain some clones to be crew. Well, then you have even less ground forces. So yeah, I it, think I all think... that to say that the Republic is going to be crippled in the space regard as well, in the cruiser regard, even if they didn't physically lose the cruisers. They're just going to be able to fully staff fewer of them. And I think we had mentioned this before, but... Excuse me, less of them. <sighs> no. I think we mentioned this before, but most of the battle in the Clone Wars was actually fought between local sector or planetary defenses and the droid army or, yeah. I mean, or the clones. The clones were brought in as like the hammer to actually break through separatist blockades or, you know, heavily guarded separatist worlds. Without that hammer, they were dug in. Yeah. Right. You weren't going to take Geonosis without a clone army. It just wasn't going to happen. And without yeah. a surprise attack, to be yeah. honest. The, even the secondary invasion, when they knew what they were dealing with, was very difficult. Yeah. Very difficult. And like we talked about previously, George Lucas and um, Dave Filoni had them watch Saving Private Ryan right. to prepare for the film. That's not a um, very uh, happy and uh, survivable film. No, <laughs> it's not. And, and so then... So as Liam says, there are a few worlds that we kind of want to highlight that they would take, right? Yep. In, in, 
this depends, right, in the order and what sort of things they would take because mm-hmm. of where the clone fleet goes, what sector defense fleets, and it's not like an instantaneous move, you know? They yeah. would have to fight through local sector defenses to get there. But the Republic becomes less of an offensive force. Correct. And more of a defensive force. Which, in the Clone Wars, even in the show, I mean, the Republic's on the offense pretty much the whole time. A lot of the time, um, yeah. And even when, like, even when we see them in defensive measures, it's like, I'll hold out until our relief force gets here, then we'll retake the, you know, whatever. Or it's like, we're defending a neutral system, or we're defending a world that asked us to help them. So then right. it's like, well, it's not necessarily you're, you're sending forces to help defend to then occupy, right. right? Like, it's not like this was your planet to start with. Right, right, right. So it, it still is more, def- or excuse me, it still is more offensive. Right. Um, so one of, uh, obviously, Kamino. Kamino's the big target, right? Yeah. They want to move towards Kamino, and that would stop the cloning of, of new clones. And when Kamino falls, right? Because if they lose Genosis, when Kamino falls, not if, but when, disaster. No more clones, that's it. You're capped out at however many you have. Let's say they even were to manage to get the cloning facilities off somewhere and try to restart it. I mean, it would take years well, until they can get the troops up and ready to go again. And we see, I believe, at the height, when they're talking about ordering new clones, it's a few million. They're talking about three, yeah. four million clones. So that's if, if we're at that point in the Clone Wars, you know, halfway through, I think it was season two, season three... Where they need three, where you know they're at yeah. needing more clones. I mean, to start off with such a smaller army than you had, I think right. you probably end up with maybe five hundred thousand clones at the height, maybe, maybe a million, maybe. Let's say the million more well on the way get finished training. I think a million I mean, is it. Yeah, yeah, a million's it, <laughs> and that's devastating. And whereas Liam was talking about, you know, would you have enough to train these, you know, these these crews for these ships? I think they start to have to. Pull in from the systems, right? They start to have to open recruitment. And whereas that is a limitless supply of troops, they are not as skilled as clone troopers, right? Clones are very skilled at what they do. They're trained from birth to fight. And And you don't have the same coordination. You don't have the same coordination. And you have more issues with following commands. And I mean, they're they're made to be more command friendly. So, And think of this way, right? If you were... A senator from Ryloth, or you were a senator from... Doomed, by the way. <laughs> which, yeah, Ryloth is... Geonosis fails. More toward the outside of the galaxy than Geonosis yeah. is. So, and it's close to Geonosis, so it just gets taken. Gone immediately. Yeah. Lots of resources there. But, it, okay, so let's say you're a senator from Rhodia. Why are you then sending your forces to help the forces on a different planet, right? Like, the sector defense fleets, they're trying to protect themselves. They're not yeah. going to form a united army to go say, oh, yeah, I'd love to send 50,000 of our finest young men of this species to go die for Naboo. Like, right. And this becomes another issue, actually. Yeah. Because if you do start opening up recruitment to all sorts of alien species, uh, what's that? Non-standardized equipment. Yep. Which becomes way more expensive to produce, right? Yep. The whole thing about the clone army was they were all the exact same. Yep. You had one size, you made it. Yep. And that was one way that it was. Yep. And that was very very cost effective yeah. so to say you have to produce stuff for like helmets for rodians helmets for bith yeah. helmets for i mean like right you, you so this is all what happens if camino falls right, right? and well it like will. you said when camino falls right. so camino is one of the closer planets to geonosis that will inevitably fall another planet that will inevitably fall is naboo yeah 
So, like we said, Naboo, Camino, good places for the Republic to fall back to after their loss on Geonosis. Mm -hmm. Also good places for the Separatists to launch their first attacks, right? right. Camino, Naboo, very Republic-friendly. We talked about with Naboo, too, uh, Vice Vice Gunray. Oh, yeah. Uh, Newt Gunray, he would definitely have a vendetta to go and take Naboo again, right? That was yeah. the whole part of Episode 1. The whole theme of Episode 1 was the Trade Federation's occupation of Naboo. So well, they would make a point to go retake it. In right? Episode 2, he's like, just kill Padme. Yeah. Just kill her. She's down yeah, there. It, Get it becomes very personal. I, I, right. And so when in our, in our timeline here... Let's say Padme gets away, yep. right? She goes to Naboo. Oh, Viceroy Gunray's coming. Right. So we think that Naboo would be the next planet that they would, or one of the next planets right. that they would go after. Strategically speaking, it's not the most helpful in terms of technology or in terms of soldiers, right? But it is Chancellor Palpatine's home planet as well. Correct. Right. So this is, Naboo would be a somewhat strategic but mostly message-sending attack, Correct. right? It also happens to be along the hyperspace lanes that get you closer to the core. So this is one of those things where it's not the most strategic. It's not purely for the sake of advancing the war cause, but it is strategic in that it sends a message to the Republic about what they're doing, and it achieves some of the more personal goals of people in the Separatists, right? Right. That now, symbolic. You would possibly say, well, wait, Palpatine commands the Separatists. Why would he allow Naboo to be taken? And I think you just, right, exactly that. Why would he let them be taken, right? It, it, it further removes him from being at the head of the Separatists. Not that anyone ever ended up suspecting it, really, but if they even started to, I feel like that's at least a yeah. little bit of a point of, well, why would he allow the Separatists to steamroll through Naboo yeah. as one of the first things on his homeworld, right? I think he uses that as part of his plan to help advance the Separatist cause. Yep. And then I think uh, another world that would be a big target would be Sullust. Yeah. So Sullust is in the Outer Rim, not too far away, along a hyperspace lane, another direct hyperspace lane into the core. And you can just follow along that planet, yep. uh, that hyperspace lane anyway. And it is a huge shipyard. So yeah. obviously good to take those. The Separatists would be in full ship production at this point, right? We have the droid foundries on Geonosis that would be in full swing, which we already know would be more effective at producing droids than even what they have in the Clone Wars, because Geonosis is, like, absolute best place to crank droids out, and those foundries never take the huge hit that they do in the original timeline. So you have all these droids already, so now you can focus more production onto ships and capital ships like the Malevolence right. as well. So we have that going on. As well as, Liam and I discussed, as they move farther and farther out from Geonosis, and Geonosis becomes more of a hub that is more and more secure, you would have droids flowing along hyperspace lanes to the front lines. Yep. They would also begin construction of the Death Star. Yeah. So that would begin. Now, like I said, there were issues, but as it becomes more secure, that would become yeah. the place to do it. Well, and you pointed out too, because I, I, I mentioned the Death Star, and I started to try and form a train of thought of the Death Star playing a bigger role in the war now. And you mentioned, well, that maybe, but it's very expensive, right, yeah. to fight a war. And so the resources that would go to building the Death Star would be great, right? There would be a lot of resources going to that. And in a war, that might not be the best thing to focus on, right? Like yeah. they would probably focus the resources more on what you said, right? 
on the ships, the capital ships, the droids, getting out to win the war and still spending some on the, and probably more than before on the Death Star because they had Geonosis so far removed and so secure, but it wouldn't be necessarily their main focus. Additionally, you talked about Ilum and Jetta being far, far out. If you look at the hyperspace lanes, again, the hyperspace lanes were created and mapped out so that travel and specifically safe travel was easier. Mm-hmm. You could jump to hyperspace in anywhere you wanted, but you might run into an asteroid. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and even you might run into a a fleck of space dust, but at the speed of light, that's going to crack your windshield, right? Yeah. Like, so these hyperspace <laughs> lanes, do more than that, yeah. right? These yeah. hyperspace lanes were dedicated safe lanes of travel. And so if you wanted to travel by hyperspace, you pretty much had to do it on a hyperspace lane. That's a very big thing. We always talk throughout the Clone Wars about hyperspace lanes and, oh, the secret hyperspace lanes that the huts have, or, oh, we need to use the hut hyperspace lanes to get this place, so we need to negotiate with the huts, right? So in order to get to Jeddah or Ilum, in order to get the kyber crystals to fuel the Death Star's main reactor... You, you you would have to take over the entirety of the Republic. And so it, it wouldn't make sense that they would be building it and completing it to use during the war when in order to be able to use it, they would have to have won the war to get to the place that has the fuel, right? right. So the Death Star creation begins earlier than it does in canon Star Wars. By like, what, 15 years? 15 years? 10 yeah. years, maybe? 10, 15 years, right? But... It, isn't necessarily fully operational. <laughs> as it were. Yeah, yes. Yeah, as it were. Very good. So, as they move towards the core, we, you know, we, we discussed a few strategic worlds. I mean, there are a lot of places they could stop along the way. Like we said, they're going to be caught at sector defense fleets, particularly at a place like Sullust, right? It's always hard to take shipyards. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. It's a horrible battle. It's very difficult yeah. because they're literally ship factories. It's like taking droid factories for the right. ground battle. It sucks. Well, and if you ever play like a video game, Empire at War, like something like oh that, like they're just cranking out ships. As yeah, you're yeah. trying to take them over, you're like, oh, great, I destroyed the ship. Oh, wait, what? what? I thought I just, oh, yeah. there's three more. Reinforcements, like, yeah. That, that always sucks. No, oh, that's bad memories. Anyway, <laughs> um, but but as they, as they push towards the core, another really big world that's uh, just a little bit off the route that they would want to take is Fondor. It's another huge shipyard world. It's another huge production world. There's a couple it's, of these, right? Yeah, and... and, and Towards Corellia, towards Kuat, right? These would be huge targets that they would have. And you got to think, as the Separatists have victory after victory after victory, more and more worlds will begin yeah. allying themselves with the Separatists, which is another issue. We even see worlds allying themselves yeah. when the Separatists are losing. Yeah, we do. Well, and, and what do you have, right? You have, right, we see Toydaria and the Toydarian king, King Katunko, I think? Yeah, something is like that. Is that right? Yeah. Goes to uh, meet with Yoda and part of the reason that he ends up joining the Republic is, oh, Yoda was able to, oh, Yoda, you should, uh, if you can fight and destroy all these Separatist forces, then I will join you. And he ends up saying, right, I think a clone is worth 10,000 droids to Count Dooku, right? It's a show of force. He wants to see who's stronger. He ends right. up siding with the Republic in canon, but what happens if the Separatists start rolling through? Systems that lean Republic end up, leaning separatist right and so you're right they end up converting a lot more worlds to their cause and even if they don't take Corellia, kuat sullust fondor right even if they don't necessarily take those right away by sheer space battle 
you mentioned earlier, right? What do we have that we don't see used throughout the Clone Wars? We have the malevolence, right? Maybe it doesn't happen, but maybe it does. If the droids have the resources to create two, three, four malevolences, right? Even let's say they have two, right? Let's say they have two malevolences. Done. What are you going to do, right? When your forces are stretched so thin and you have less coordination and you're not able... We see the malevolence wiping the floor with fleets. It takes out three Venators at a time. I mean, if you're talking in, 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 in this new timeline, yeah. if the CIS does that twice, I mean, you that's crippling. Yeah. But the malevolence in the normal timeline is doing that multiple times. Yeah. It's taking them out and yeah. leaving no survivors. Well, and they don't know why, right? They say, we've had fleets that drop out of contact. Yeah. And we arrive to find debris, right? It, it, it's, it's hopping in and out of systems, destroying Republic ships, and it's not until Plo Koon, now Plo Koon obviously would have still survived, like we said. Of course. Obviously. But it's not until, right, he and his troops survive that they're able to realize what the threat is, right? So all that to say, when the Republic is stretched so much thinner than it already is, something like the malevolence becomes a huge factor. Oh, yeah. And... All of a sudden, if you have the Malevolence show up at Sullust, what are you going to do? What? How, how are you going to get your ship factory to work when yeah. your power is gone? It's been EMP'd. Yeah, I right. mean, you can't. And, oh, by the way, EMPing something really close to a planet, not a good time. Yeah. Oh, what's that falling from the sky? A cruiser? Right, right. I, I, and so, essentially, the Republic would be on their heels the entire time. They yeah. would be tumbling backwards. Now, as... The CIS wins battle after battle, getting ally after ally, and the Republic's losing. And yeah, I'm sure they'll eke out a victory here and there, right? They still have Jedi. They still do have some clones. Um, the se- sector defense fleets are still decent. Like we said, the majority of the battles are fought with them. Yeah. But the problem is, what does the Senate do about the Jedi? Now, yeah. they're in this war, okay? From, so from a random senator's perspective. You're in a war. Your world's now going to be drafted, or you're expecting volunteers to be sent to the front lines to fight on planets like Geonosis or Mimban, yeah. or, you know, who do, what do you care, right? But now you're in this war, you're paying tons of money to try and protect all these planets, and why are you, the, why are you in the war? You know why you're in the war? Because of one Gungan. Because of one Gungan. Because of one Gungan. True. And his willingness to try and convince everyone to enact a clone army. Right. But, but why do they enact the clone army? But why do they enact the clone army? The Jedi are going to save one Jedi that they think is there, as Liam pointed out earlier. Right? They're going to save Obi-Wan Kenobi. And the clone army comes in. Now, where did the clone army come from? Well, based on everyone's perspective, it was created by a Jedi, right. sif without the permission of the Senate, without the permission of the Jedi, but they don't really know that. It, it, it was it was really rogue. Well, right. And how are you going to say, oh yeah, a Jedi, two Jedi <laughs> went and approved the formation of the clone army, and one Jedi paid for it, but then the rest of the Jedi didn't know about it. Therefore, the Jedi weren't involved. No, right. the, even yeah. if it was two rogue Jedi, right? The Jedi are still central to the formation and creation of the clone army. Right. And then they take this clone army, and the Republic invades as well. Right. You as a senator, how do you know? They're not involved in the battle. They're not involved in the planning. So what you see is the Jedi create an army and say that it's the Republic's army, and then it invades a world, and now the Republic's at war, and you, therefore, are at war, and now you must send your people to go and die. It would be like if 
um, Minnesota decided to attack Canada. <laughs> and then Canada says, well, the U.S. is at war with us. Well, what do you do? I mean, technically, they're not wrong. Minnesota invaded. Right. But now Texas and Florida and New York and poor old Oregon are all dragged in. So, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> For our Canadian viewers, this will not be happening. <laughs> For our Minnesotan viewers... Delay the invasion another week just yeah. to throw them off. <laughs> so, right? What do you do? What do you do as a senator? Who do you blame, right? right? And this is where we see Palpatine just turn the manipulation in, just turn it on, full force, which is always on full force. So. Oh, yeah, nothing but changes. Nothing changes. But now it's directed a little bit more specifically at the Jedi, right? Hey, guys, they created this army. They did this. So yeah. as the Republic begins to lose, I think we see worlds and systems lose faith in the Jedi, as would be natural. And yeah. I think Palpatine... They said they were peacekeepers. They said they were supposed to be the ones that were sitting in the background, resolving everything yeah. peacefully and without violence. And they were supposed to be monk-like, right? Like, mm -hmm. what are they doing leading the armies now? They created, They literally created an army... This is opposed to what they're supposed to be here for. Of slaves. They created an army of slaves, right? Not great. Not yeah. a good not a good not a good point on there anyway. Not a good so, look. so I and Liam agree that in this timeline, should this happen, the Jedi will be held accountable for yeah. the failures of the clone army and the defeats of the Republic. Now, right. what will Palpatine do? Right? Palpatine will use his status, I believe, to negotiate a stellar peace deal for the Republic. Yeah. Now, what that means, I'm not quite sure, but I think they may get some systems back that were conquered. I don't know if they necessarily make it all the way out to Naboo. What's the point of the Separatists, right? The Separatists say, ah, the Republic is corrupt. Well, what if Palpatine goes to them and says, we believe that the largest corruption in the Republic is due to the Jedi. Yep. Now, we're not going to force you to rejoin, but if we ban the Jedi... We want a stellar deal. If we tell the Jedi that they are no longer allowed to represent the Republic and that they must leave and we abandon, right? Like, yeah. we want a good deal. I think Palpatine works that out. I think Palpatine works it out because Palpatine's playing both sides. Well, yeah. I, I mean, sides, he just so says, I always come out on top. Ah, yes. Count Dooku, would you do this? Count Dooku says, no, why would I do that? Count Dooku gets a call from Lord Sidious. He's like, do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, crap. So, All right, fine. So, that's... Where I see it going, and I and I think that's also Count Dooku's play, right? Count Dooku's yeah. play is separate the Jedi from the Republic, right? You know, maybe well, ban them from a little bit right. too. Like he's he is right. Yeah. Ban them from maybe marketplace. Do whatever you know. Make them pariahs in society, and you can have your worlds back. We want to be independent, and I think that's how it ends. I think that the the Clone War ends in a separatist victory, in that they separate from the Republic right. and have their own their own thing going they're on. just trying to secede they're right? just trying to secede any worlds that want to join them are allowed to join them and we actually do see this is something we've talked about a little bit and we've touched on in earlier episodes not all of the separatists were really bad no they they make a point of showing you really good benevolent separatist leaders similar to how we see padme represented as a very good yeah. benevolent senator in the republic we have the bonteries right, right. who are shown to be benevolent separatists and and, and he, she says oh he was on you know a mission and was attacked by clones and killed yeah her husband right like and and so we see that there are some good members of the separatists so if all the separatists want to do is say 
you know, if, if they're taking world after world after world and then the Republic raises a flag and says, fine, we're done. And they say, all right, here's some of your worlds we conquered back. We just want to be left alone. That's a pretty good messaging tactic. Right. Like, how are you yeah. supposed to argue with, fine, have some of your worlds back. We'll leave you, just leave us alone. And now there's, there's a few implications to this because they'll take the techno union with them. They'll take the trade federation with them. All these worlds, all these systems. Yep. Corporate alliance. Huge. Yep producers in tax revenue for the republics the republics left crippled and they're taking less i mean it's beneficial for the trade federation for the cis to take these deals and like we said they're building the death star right count dooku's plan sidious's plan is to build this death star and they can reveal it at some other point right if something were to happen before or something were to happen later they can say oh here's this weapon of fear we've created that can come out and we can you know don't attack us or else we'll Well, do this and that's what palpatine wants right like he wants galactic domination and so this is going to be something where he is going to be able to get that right and along the way not all the jedi are dead yet right but they are ostracized from society right so then liam and i discussed this a little bit beforehand and we kind of landed, there were a couple worlds we bounced back and forth on, but we think that ultimately they would go to Tython. Tython's relatively close to Coruscant. We see it in the Mandalorian. That's actually where they go to call the Jedi. It's the birthplace of the Jedi. And it's a very light side centered world. And this is very reminiscent of the deal struck in the non-canon legends, Star Wars The Old Republic, right? When the Empire the, comes out of hiding, and they attack the galaxy, they strike the peace deal, make the Jedi leave... And the Jedi go back to Tython because that's where they don't make the Jedi leave, but the, the Republic ends up blaming them themselves and kicking the Jedi out and they go to Tython. Now, Tython being a very light side centered world, now being on a light side centered world fixes a lot of the issues that the Jedi had. So for instance, on the temple, right? The Jedi temple, I think Liam. Yeah. So the, the Jedi temple was built on the remains of an old Sith temple. Which right? Palpatine used. Right. And, and the, the purpose of the Jedi building, the Jedi temple was ah, here's this fixture of dark side energy. We're going to build a light side temple on it so that we can fix it. Yeah. Instead, (laughs) um, they built their temple on the dark side cult, you know, temple, altars of stuff, and and it ended up clouding them, right? The whole time throughout the Clone Wars, we see, oh, the dark side, our visions are clouded, everything's muddy, we can't really see. This is all a factor of the fact that they are on the ruins of ancient Sith temples, right? Like it's hubris. It, right. And and they start to drift from who they are because of all this. Yep. So like Jared said, if they go to Tython, a lot of stuff gets fixed because they're not actually on a Sith temple. They don't have this dark side energy rising up literally from beneath like green smell lines yeah. <laughs> into their chambers right like yeah. green stink lines of dark exactly side. Like, well i mean they'd be red that's my bad. no they're green <laughs> dathomir they're green mm, that's dark magic that's, that's not dark dark side, <laughs> dark side magic versus exactly. dark side excuse exactly. me no so i think i think you're right i think now i do think palpatine makes a mistake in that right i think that that yes. would be a big mistake for palpatine's end and I, you know i don't know i don't know if he just says we have to ban the jedi and they say ah we'll take tython and he says crap yeah. <laughs> don't do it yeah, don't. <laughs> um so then let's let's kind of jump for a second and where are our main characters right, right. where are our main characters in star wars we think you know mace windu's dead um Plo Koon is obviously Plo alive Koon, Plo, <laughs> Plo Koon's obviously alive 
uh, shout out to Dave Filoni if you're listening. Yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> he will live. Um, uh, yes. Yoda as Grandmaster, I believe that due to the all of the actions that were taken by the Jedi and the blame put on the Jedi, I think Yoda would step down as Grandmaster. Yeah. I think Yoda would step down as Grandmaster. Now, who would necessarily become Grandmaster, in my mind, is Plo Koon, but that may be a little biased. Yeah. Not sure. I don't know that we Absolutely necessarily... ideal. I don't know that we necessarily actually get a Grandmaster from someone we know. Right. Right? Like, there are... T- I know who it is. I know who it is, too. Real Avaros. Oh. It's new. Real Avaros. Real Avaros. Yikes. <laughs> no, I mean, it could be whoever, right? It doesn't It doesn't necessarily matter. There are a lot of wise people. Maybe it's someone like Shakti, right? If yeah. Shakti survives, um, maybe she becomes a grandmaster, right? It, we don't really know. Yeah. But I think the, the point we try to make here is that Yoda sees that he has contributed to a large part of leading, a Jedi, leading the Jedi down a path that has not gotten them to a great spot. And right. so I think he says, I'm going to resign myself to continue to dwell in the forest, to continue to meditate and, and try, and you know, I'm yeah. sure there'll be people like Master Yoda, like you're the wisest among us. And he'll be like, hmm, true, I have to mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like and he'll be, he'll, he'll, yeah. he'll understand that in order for the betterment of the Jedi, even if it's not permanently, right. Even if he just steps back and tries to reframe things, right. Maybe he'll Someone rerun else, in the future. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. So that's where we find ourselves, right? Well, We'll also want to point out that that Obi-Wan and Anakin continue their relationship as master and apprentice, right? But because he never confronts Dooku, as far as I'm aware, that's his trial in Mm. canon. Yeah. And I I don't know when he necessarily becomes a Jedi Knight um, and when he doesn't, but they continue. Eventually, Anakin will become a Jedi Knight. However, one thing we want to point out is that, and I, I can't remember if you mentioned this or not, so please forgive me if you have, but but Padme we think would die defending her people on Naboo. And now maybe he can't, you know, maybe Anakin tries to get there. Maybe he can't. It's difficult, right? If the Republic can't have access to the hyperspace lanes, it's not like he can just jump there. Right. Um, It's difficult. And you're in a Jedi starfighter. It's like, well, that's obvious. Well, and he's not a Jedi Knight yet, so he can't just say, ah, yes, I'm going to go take this cruiser and go to Naboo. Right. Why? That's in the heart of Separatist space. Um, Because I... Love her. Oh, yeah. oh, not a Jedi. Not a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. So, so we think that Anakin wouldn't be able to get there. She would die, and now maybe that leads him down a path of depression. But, he would try, right? Like, Obi Wan try to get there. He would try but, to get there, but Obi Wan would be able to pull him out of it because he would be so close to him in this scenario, right? During war, during all this, like, hey, you got to keep yourself in in the game. And we see Anakin steps up in the Clone Wars, and I think he would be essentially the same person, right? Yeah. He, he steps up in the Clone Wars. He leads his men, and well, Rex lives. Clearly. Rex um, lives. Obviously. Rex lives. Yeah, he goes to Tython. He's actually a Jedi. No, um, <laughs> Rex is force sensitive. sensitive. Yeah, Finn is there. It's great. No. Um, <laughs> it, what about Omega? Omega. Never dead. No. Maybe. Dead. Uh, dead. Interesting. <laughs> Kamino. Dead. So, all this to say, our main characters are Jedi all wind up on Tython. The Grandmaster is someone other than Yoda. They're realigning themselves in the force. Padme's gone. Jar Jar Binks dies on Naboo. Right. And <laughs> I just, <laughs> just glossed because, over that. Yeah. Just because and, he needs to. And yeah. Adagunga orbitally bombarded. Yeah. The, the Separatists were just like, honestly, this isn't even really worth our time. Boil just... the ocean. <laughs> so, so the other thing is Palpatine, right? Palpatine had emergency powers to stay in power during the Clone Wars, and that's how he consolidated all of his power. However... In this timeline, 
Maybe he doesn't have the emergency powers. Maybe he still does, because you think they lose their income streams, these worlds have to rebuild. They're in a state of emergency still. Things are yeah. very bad, <laughs> especially if you think they get back a lot of worlds that were taken over and destroyed with less money. And don't forget, Palpatine just struck this amazing deal that recovered a lot of these worlds and completely blamed the Jedi. Now, would you still have the Bail Organa, the Mon Mothma, who are like, hey, we don't really like Palpatine. He's kind of a warmonger. But if you think he strikes this peace deal that's really good, yeah. he may even win them over to his yeah. side. And that's a problem. That's a big problem. For the Jedi. For the Jedi, of course. Because then the, the Empire gets formed. You're right. Big problem. No, the Empire doesn't get formed, I don't think. Um, because the CIS are building the Death Star. Yeah. So I think Palpatine bides his time for the Death Star creation. Yeah. Now, now there was one other thing that Liam pointed out that was, I think, a really interesting idea. Yeah. Now that you have this this disparaging look on the Jedi, what comes next? I think that. Put yourself in the shoes of someone in the Republic, right? Ah, the Jedi have thrown us into this war. They have caused us a great deal of pain and suffering. They're banned. Well, okay, uh, they're banned. How are you going to keep them banned? What are you going to do? Look sternly at them? Like, <laughs> they're, Is that a robe? <laughs> they're magical laser sword wielding space wizards like they have power so i think you get a different form of the inquisitorius and this is where i think it differs right in the empire we see that jedi who are survivors are tortured and and i think that you see jedi who are captured at geonosis get tortured and, and they become the inquisitors that are used right but they're not necessarily used as Inquisitors yet. The Inquisitors were Jedi hunters, right? Darth they went... Kit Fisto. Darth Kit Fisto. <laughs> Yikes. The Inquisitors would hunt down Jedi who were remaining after the Great Purge, and they would kill them immediately, right? I think in this, you see the Inquisitorius used more as an enforcement agency. They give themselves off as oh, no, we're not here to track down the Jedi, but they are banished. And if we find them, we're going to take them into custody, right? And so that's how it begins. It begins more of a seemingly benevolent thing, right? Of, oh, well, we're just going to go after them if they break the rules, but if they don't break the rules, we'll leave them alone. And then I see that as that goes on, it develops into what we see in the Inquisitors, right? You get a Grand Inquisitor, you get people who start to hunt down the Jedi, Slowly but surely, maybe a Jedi strays off to a planet that's not really in the core, and but they leave to go do something, and all of a sudden they disappear, right? And I and I think that's where that goes. I think Palpatine still has his mission of we're gonna kill the Jedi, and I think that's how that comes up is slowly but surely he starts to take out Jedi who stray away from Tython. So I think that's where we kind of find ourselves, right? I think. Yeah. That probably wraps up this section and this idea is, well, now you have a galaxy that has gone through this war. The Separatists have taken a lot more ground and even possibly some of the shipyards, probably not all of them, but a couple of them that you see in the Star Wars galaxy. Right. And I think that once the peace deal is negotiated, we do have some peace, right? We we have the expulsion of the jedi yeah and then you get you know 10 or 15 years of peace while palpatine's plan still goes right yeah 
It's yeah, he's still running his plan. He's still running his plan. The Jedi, meanwhile, are consolidating their power. And maybe you have Palpatine, you know, you definitely have Palpatine figuring out how it is he's going to crush the Jedi on Tython. Now, he could send a fleet, he could horribly bombard them, but I think in this timeline, you would actually start to see the Jedi begin to have their own fleet, right? In, in We see in the High Republic, actually, that the Jedi have their own ships, they have their own stuff. Like, that would be what they would be. They would be a completely distinct entity um, from the Republic. And I think what we would see is... The Jedi try to win back goodwill from the people by doing favors for people who are outside of the like, or in the Republic or in danger. Like maybe Zygerian slavers show up to a planet, and boom, the Jedi fleet is there defending their uh, defending their home. And that is where I think the Jedi begin to win back and get in the good graces of people. Yeah. And what we had kind of talked about, which you'd mentioned, which I think was a really good idea, was maybe. You know, we're kind of leaving. We're leaving it off here, right? Because you could keep going through the Star Wars galaxy right. indefinitely. You have to end somewhere. That's what we did with the last but, episode too. Is like we're leaving out a cliffhanger, yeah. right? If if this is something that we tried to expand out to everything it touched, we would go into hundreds of years of right, like Star Wars there's just battles. So much to go on, but yeah. But what you had mentioned was, you know, maybe in the following trilogy, what would be the original trilogy in this timeline, as it were would be a trilogy where Anakin fulfills his role as the Chosen One on the planet of Tython, growing up around lots of Jedi who were more in the light side of the Force, seeped in the light, and just doing what they were supposed to do and not clouded by the dark side. He would be clouded by the dark side, and he would be removed from battle, removed from compromising situations. Padme's out of his life now, which was a huge hit up front, but now it's not there anymore. The burden's not there anymore. He never gets married in this timeline, so that doesn't happen like that. They Sure, they fall in love, but they don't fully commit with one another. They don't have kids. Anakin could become the Grand Master of the Jedi Order. Right. Very feasibly could become the Grand Master of the Jedi Order and take the Jedi out of Tython in, in this new trilogy, maybe, that when they, they decide to purge the Jedi completely, maybe he comes out and leads it. Right. Don't know. But yeah. that was a really cool idea that you had mentioned, yeah. and I think, you know, uh, yeah, and I think there's a lot of different directions you can go with that. There's a lot of different things that he could do, um, but I think ultimately, as long as he's able to hone his skills, and, you know, as we see Anakin, he's kind of angsty, kind of, you know... Kind of. <laughs> well, very angsty. Um, but I think, you know, he he still would have been suffering from the loss of his mother, he would probably suffer from the loss of Padme, but I think that the separation from her, you know, we see him in episode three, he's married to her, they're pregnant, they're making a family and a life together. In episode two, after the Battle of Geonosis, you know, they they, they kiss and say they love each other, but, I mean, it, it's not until there's, you know, time of peace and they get away and he gets a new replacement hand, you know, that's probably a couple months down the line is when they get married, right? So... If none of that happens, right? They just declared that they loved each other, but then they never saw each other again. Like, I don't think you have the same attachment, right? He doesn't start seeing the nightmares of Padme until episode three. So I think that we see that if he's able to overcome this, especially on a place of great light side nature, right? Like Tython, I think he becomes almost more of a character like Luke and like Qui-Gon wanted to see him become than like he was as we saw him in canon, right? And maybe even on Tython, maybe his trial, he connects with Qui-Gon, right? Through the Force. We see Qui-Gon connect to Yoda through the Force. Maybe Anakin on the path he's on allows him to seek out 
Qui-Gon in a way he wasn't able to. Right. Right? Yeah. So, a lot infinite of cool possibilities. things. Right, a lot infinite of cool things we could talk about. Yep, infinite possibilities where it could go, but... We're going to stop it here. Yep. Just for the sake of time. <laughs> but... I really like this episode. Um, Liam and I like doing these what if possibly could have happened if something may have changed in the past in Star Wars and we have decided that something different in the future would happen episode. The official name. <laughs> you also may know it as what if. But uh, please don't comment. Uh, you can find us all over the place. Yep. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Audible. We're on Apple Music. Or Apple Podcasts. Anchor. A lot of places. Thank you for tuning in today. Well, uh, see you next time.
Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, and we look forward to giving you the next one next week. Till then.